You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. I first met and interviewed Yao Huang in 2013. She is founder and managing partner of The Hatchery. If you want to learn more about her and The Hatchery, you can go back and listen to episode 147. Last year, I looked her up wondering what she's been up to and reached out to invite her back onto Talking Taiwan as a guest. A lot can happen in nine years. She's been focusing on some very big things like solving the problem of financial inequality through a $100 million fund for minority-owned small to medium businesses. And from social media, it looks like she's living the life and having a ball at these gatherings called Wonder Woman Dinners all across the country. When I asked her what she's excited about these days, she mentioned crypto, blockchain, and Web3. To some, these may sound like things of the future, but the future is already here. Last year, Facebook's name change to Meta was a nod to the metaverse, and earlier in the year, the buzz over a thing called NFTs hit mainstream media. When it comes to understanding NFTs, you've also got to understand cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. On top of it all, all of these things together make up Web3. Yao is also a two-time TED Talk speaker and has done a stint of stand-up comedy. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Yao. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since I've had you on the podcast. I think the last time I spoke to you was 2013, so that's been quite some time. When I reached out to you last year about having you back on, of course I looked you up and um, saw what you were doing, and I saw that you done like two different TED Talks and that you're doing all these Wonder Woman dinners in cities across the country. And fast forward to today, you invited me to one of your Wonder Woman dinners um, a couple weeks ago, and I really didn't know what to expect when I walked in, and I apologize that I was late. I recall that that was the week of the New York City subway shooting, so I was trying to take a car there, and it was raining, and in the end, I ended up taking a subway. I was trying to avoid taking the subway that day. But if you've lived in New York City, you'll know that sometimes the fastest way to get around is the subway, especially when it's raining. The subway shooting that I'm referring to had happened on April 12th, just two days before the Wonder Woman dinner event that I had planned to attend. It happened during morning rush hour on the N train in the Sunset Park neighborhood of Brooklyn. A gunman detonated a smoke grenade before he opened fire in the crowded subway car. 29 people were injured, 10 of them with bullet wounds. The photos I saw from the scene in the New York Post were chilling and gruesome. We'll include a link to that article on our website, but be forewarned of the graphic nature of some of the photos. We'll place a warning on it for those who'd rather not see them. I thought maybe before we get into a lot of things, like, can you talk about this Wonder Woman series? It's like, I'm watching all of your social media on LinkedIn, and I, all I see is Yao is in uh, Denver, <laughs> Yao's in Chicago, Yao's in New York, and she's like living the life with these Wonder Woman dinners. What is this Wonder Woman series? It's been going on for 16 years. It's in 30 cities. There's 10,000 women, and it's a community of women that build relationships by breaking bread. And I believe that there's power in the unified um, resources, backgrounds, 
intelligence, uh, voice, and support of many women together and sharing opportunities and all of that. But it stems from building a authentic relationship first. And what better way than having a meal together, but in a way that lets people open up in a fun way. I don't think everything has to be serious all the time. I think you could be powerful, successful. You can speak at Davos. You can do all these things and still have fun and go to Burning Man and smoke pot and all these things. They're, they're <laughs> mutually exclusive. They can exist in the same person. You can like, you can like tennis and potatoes. Sure. They're not related, you know? So it's about <laughs> friendship first, laughing and having fun. We do karaoke, hire drag queens. And yet there's CMOs, CEOs, and investors, we fund each other, we build companies together, we support each other, but it starts from being who you are. And some people understand it, some people don't. Um, and I think the, that life is more rewarding, filled with these kind of people. I'm surprised, I didn't realize it was going on for 16 yeah. years. Wow, kudos to you. How did it get it's started? Women sitting around the table, having dinner. And we invited some more people, invited some more people. And yeah. then I wanted, yeah. and, and then yeah. as this yeah. spread to other cities, I wanted <laughs> to be repeatable and consistent. So we really focused on what yeah. makes this thing work. And so in all these thousands of dinners and all these years, it is consistently good. It can, If you read the posts and the feedback, it's People talk about it as if it's you know, something they've never been to before. It's something very unique because of the way it's introduced and presented. Um, I think adults also have a hard time making mm -hmm. new friends these days, right? Not just because of COVID, but just like, how do adults yeah. make friendships? And it's like, so how does Yao make people become <laughs> friends in two so hours? that are strangers in the beginning, you know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I had a great time and I, I, I was, I didn't know what to expect. And, and you heckled me because <laughs> we had to well, like, you came late, so you had no idea what was going on. Had you started from the beginning, it would make more sense. Yeah. And so what you see as heckle, <laughs> others see as comedy, right? So it's not yeah. heckling. It's really just making, and I, yeah, it's making your story funnier that. to the room. You know, you really did. I appreciate that. And actually, it it shows like if somebody can stand up to that. Actually, I I do realize that you actually did I do did. some comedy, right? Because um, I think I saw your TED talks. You you did do some comedy, like um like what after like around 2014 or something like that. What was that about, and how did that? Yeah, I did stand up. I did it at Caroline's. I've done it at BB King's, uh -huh. basically throughout New York, and super fun. It pulls out a whole other aspect of yeah. who I am, and it yeah. actually improved all my public speaking on stage. Um, sure. Yeah, and always kind of lean yeah. with the element of humor. Yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for stand-up comics. That's like the toughest thing because you know you, you just don't know like how your audience is going to react, and then you got to go with the flow if they're not reacting and make it work somehow. I understand that from this Wonder Woman dinner series that this also sprung something called the Diana yeah, Capital. That's, that's rolled up to uh, Division One Capital now, and it's a hundred million dollar fund supporting mm -hmm. women and minorities. Uh, opening up capital to a number of cities. Um, I believe that there's more than just one way to give money to small businesses and new endeavors. It doesn't have to always be venture capital. In fact, that only helps about 2% of companies. 
and maybe even less. So the majority don't fit that model and really just need, um, dare I say, unracist capital, right? So if you go to the bank and you don't look the way they want you to look, you don't get money or they give you higher interest. Um, we're creating the first um, you know, algorithm to lend that is unbiased. And we will lend against your ability to sell. So against the contract that you have with uh, a provider, we will lend you money. Uh, against your revenues, we'll lend you money and um, are open to more than just tech companies. Yeah. So I understand, like, just to explain that a little bit more to people, this would be, for example, if someone has is selling a product and they have purchase orders or something like that, so you give them a loan True. against yes. the purchase order? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So you're not taking any equity. You're just saying if you can demonstrate that you are, have this promise from someone to purchase your product for X amount and then we can advance you with interest. Correct. This money. What are some of the women-owned businesses in this fund that you think have been helped by this, like that wouldn't have been able to get funding otherwise or would have had difficulty getting funding? I mean, that happens all the time. <laughs> And now for a short break. Talking Taiwan is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to take a moment to thank those of you who have made a financial contribution. We are committed to creating better awareness and understanding of Taiwan. As the Golden Crane Award winner and the longest-running Taiwan-related podcast, we want to keep it that way, which is why we are now working on building Talking Taiwan into a legacy that will last for generations to come. To do this, we've launched a crowdfunding campaign on GoFundMe.com. Talking Taiwan has been produced on a shoestring budget, but now it's time to build a lasting infrastructure to expand our offerings. Find us on GoFundMe.com by searching for Talking Taiwan and make a contribution there today. We'll put a link to the campaign on our show notes. We are so grateful for our growing listenership and all of the support that we've been receiving. No, I'm just curious if you could give some examples. There's a woman I spoke to in Atlanta, who had the HVAC business. She had a few million dollars in revenue. Um, she has big contracts with large corporations to nothing fancy, install HVAC systems. She never finished college, but had built a very successful business. Okay, And with that, she tries to go to banks to borrow money. Because with these large contracts, she doesn't have all the money to buy the supplies or hire all the people right away. But once she finishes a contract for these installations, then she would get paid, but like 30 to 60 days later. So that's cash flow. And she doesn't have the money. If she doesn't do it, then she doesn't make these big contracts. So it's a kind of a catch-22 chicken-egg situation. Um, she goes to the banks. Banks won't lend her money. And she's African-American and... She doesn't look right. Or the, she found one place that would give her money, but it was like twice the interest. And and she took it because she there was no other option. And then so we talked to her about opportunities to make this more smooth and streamlined for her, right? So that's kind of the mentality. And I don't think a lot of people understand what it's like um, when you don't fit the image of what banks want. And it's been going on for decades, if not longer. Yeah, definitely. As I listened to the example Yao provided, 
I could see how Division I capital is really creating financial equality and leveling the playing field for minority business owners who might normally have difficulty securing loans needed to stabilize and grow their businesses. Is this something that people can apply to get funded? Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of like the Diana Fund kind of yeah. morphed into this then, Same right? but bigger. Okay. Diana Capital was named after Diana Prince, the secret identity of DC comic book superheroine, hence the connection to the Wonder Woman dinner series. How did that happen? Do you, do you think that any part of this maybe had something to do with COVID? Because, you know, COVID really exposed a lot of social inequities. And I'm wondering if that had any impact or it was just a natural progression because, you know, Diana Capital helped women founders and then there are other types of founders that are marginalized and have a hard time finding funding. So it was just natural for it to morph. This has been going on for years. We just broadened to look at more than just women. And there's a huge appetite by um, organizations that want to lend this way but can't find these entrepreneurs. We have an easy time finding it. And now we're also working with cities um, with their initiatives to help um, minority SMBs. Do you think that there's more of a need since COVID or how do you think COVID has impacted entrepreneurs or how has it impacted you personally? I'm curious. Some did really well, some shut down, right? It's It was challenging for some and not for others and had a lot to do with if you fell into the sector that everyone needed things or did not. Um, it was a big pause basically for a lot of businesses and at the same time it was a huge onslaught of opportunity some folks pivoted but now we're yeah i mean now we're kind of through it yeah but there's some um distribution issues right yeah because what's happening going on with china people and, figure like, it out supply chain there's a way to make money they'll figure it out i think that there's a lot of wealth out there there's a lot of opportunity to access that and i don't believe it's equally distributed. I don't think everyone understands the same way. And it's partly knowledge, partly access, partly um, having the right name, the right school, the right background, your pedigree. And it's not always fair. It's how the world works. Um, It's unfair for women. It's unfair for those with darker skin. It's unfair for immigrants. And there's a lot of folks trying to Um, bring some fairness into it. And I think it just needs more push and we're trying to play a role in it. Can you talk about any particular individuals or companies that you think have been helped and how you've seen that transform them through your fund? Um, Traditionally, we've been doing equity-based stuff. So, um, I mean, it's always constantly getting folks access to money, helping them drive new customers and revenue, um, you know, one of our companies uh, in the security space has now done so well in raising $3.5 million and becoming one of the darlings of security uh, by preventing data from being hacked. They're signing on more clients now, they're hiring more people now, and 
it's been amazing watching them grow and led by one of the few women in security, uh, CEO in security. So it's, it's quite rare. You did a TED Talk about innovation, and that was in 2015, and you mentioned Netflix, Virgin, and Tesla, and so as examples of companies that innovate, and I think two of those are pretty relevant today. Here's a clip from Yao's 2015 TED Talk. The future lies in every single one of you, in the creative minds that you have, but requires each of you to be brave enough to step out of your comfort zone into a world of possibilities, stepping away from where you're taught to sit and stand and not think. Don't be scared. You can do it. You can absolutely do this. It is not the big, ridiculous ideas of inventing a new iPhone tomorrow. It is the right-in-front-of-your-face simple idea. And it starts with what you want to do. The future is a world where you think about yourself as an individual and define purpose. More people are aware now, and they're asking more about the work that they do. You know, the thing that sucks up half your life. So you better love it. I'm curious to know, like, what companies are you watching these days or do you think are really innovating? Oh, I mean, the whole crypto Bitcoin space, a blockchain has revolutionized the, the whole fintech sector, banking, um, credit, um, currency, stocks. I think it's because of the rise and the new opportunities, a lot of people have been driven into it. Um, and there's so much innovation there. It's led the wave of Web3, um, decentralization, new networks. The new generation is really into it. And I think some people are having a hard time trying to adapt, but it happens so quickly. And it, I think it's quite exciting. What would you say to the people that are having a hard time to adapt? Because, I mean, yeah, I, I know there are a lot of people out there who can't even wrap their head around crypto, and then there's these NFTs and metaverse and all this stuff going on. I mean, always the traditionalists who are last to play the game, but this is this new shift in talent and wealth. And, I mean, we're advising a bunch of large companies right now on how to adapt and it's lighter, less expensive, more efficient infrastructure. It is, in some cases, more secure. Um, a lot of money is moving that, in that direction, and to ignore it is just not responsible. What about the individual, then? How can the individual, like, educate themselves and learn about this? Because, I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. Like, you know, what the heck is crypto? And people are worried about the security and um, the volatility. And what would you say to somebody? Who, how should they get educated? Read. Uh, the Internet's helpful. Get some books. Attend some lectures. Everything's on webinar now. Like, there's really no friction in 2022 to learn about anything yeah. new. Um. Talk mm -hmm, to experts, mm -hmm. uh, go to conferences, the Bitcoin conference yeah. where everyone showed up in Miami mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. You could just sat in each of the lectures and just been caught up over a week. Oh, okay. So they have a Bitcoin conference in Miami every year? Or I'm sure there's more than one. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, they have these conferences in other cities as well. It's ongoing. There's always something going sure. on. I don't think the industry yeah. stops. What else is exciting you these days? 
And I'm pretty busy with these bits. I don't think I need more. <laughs> I mean, I'm always looking at new companies and it's, I love supporting women-led companies. I, I love crypto blockchain. I love that space. I love supporting the underdog, playing with some things in real estate, but that's more on the personal side. This fund is huge and super exciting about the potential of what we can do and where it can go. Um, I'm excited about the new companies that are coming out. I'm excited about Web3, crypto, blockchain, and the women that are trying to drive it. I'm excited that we're out and about in New York again, and uh, I'm traveling a lot, and yeah. it's, just, it's been great. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be on Talking Taiwan. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Uh, pleasure anytime. I've been speaking to Ya Huang, founder and managing partner of The Hatchery, about what she's been up to since 2013 and her main focus these days, the Division One Capital Fund. If you enjoy this episode, go on over to Audible or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. Tell a friend about us or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There we'll list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Alicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.